What did you eat for breakfast? Nothing, actually. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a breakfast eater. <laughs> That's not the first time someone's answered that way. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. Business. Welcome to another installment of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Thanks for checking me out. Stay tuned because I have a bunch of interviews in the works. So it looks like there's going to be a lot of great information coming your way in the lead up to the holiday season. This episode, I sit down with Justin Corley, owner of the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, which is my first interview in my new home of Texas. We talk about shirt printing, business, and merch sales, but despite both of us being Wayne's World nerds, somehow the subject never comes up. Also, as Justin is a voracious consumer of audiobooks and podcasts of the entrepreneurial kind, I thought it would be great if he gave me a list of his top books. You can find these on both the show notes page and also the new resources page on the website, where I'll be adding books, podcasts, links to TED Talks, and any other info that I think would be useful for people to check out. The website, of course, is musiconyourownterms.com, or find the link on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash musiconyourownterms. Let's get to the interview. Party on, Justin. Uh, so let's start off. Introduce yourself. Tell, tell us about your business and where it got started. Um, all right. So my name's Justin Corley. I'm one of the, the owners here. Um, so it kind of started about 30 years ago. My mom, just she's very artistic, and uh, we kind of started off with some trade shows. She would take denim jackets and things like that and just uh, you know paint city scenes, old Cadillacs, leopard print, you know, all, whatever was kind of trendy, she would paint and do that, and then we'd go to trade shows and sell them. And then after, you know, 10 years or so, people just said, hey, you know, we need shirts for our cheerleaders or football team or for our whatever it, it was. Uh, and so she just became kind of a contractor for embroidery, screen printing, uh, jerseys, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much you name it for, for schools and stuff. Um, that's what she did. And then... Um, of course, in the meantime, I'm doing a bazillion other things. I've, I've worked at, a, at an aquarium taking care of 18,000 gallons of North Pacific sea life. Uh, worked at a machine shop building parts for American Iron Horse motorcycles. Worked at an insurance yes. agency doing bookkeeping and accounting. And mm -hmm. then, of course, that was super exciting. So uh, mom just needed help and just said, hey, these... The people that I'm using, they're they're constantly behind and missing orders and deadlines and so on and so forth. And so it just became a, a deal of, hey, do you want to open a print shop? And I said, Excellent. sure, let's go for it. So cool. off we went. 
Um, so you are a big music fan? I'm, are you not? I'm, so, a, I'm a big music fan, yes. So that, that very, very nicely ties into the, uh, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say the, the amount of shirts you do for bands versus schools and businesses would be? Uh, I, I would say we probably do 20% bands and, and a good, uh, rest of the portion is, is schools and businesses and charities and things like that, that, that need help with their stuff. Um, but, but for me, like I love doing stuff for, for bands and musicians because, uh, you have a little bit more creative freedom. Uh, you get the opportunity to to print on better merchandise because obviously if you're a band or a musician the whole point is to get your music heard to get your name out there so that more people hear you so that you can continue doing what you love exactly. and so if you if you put it on garbage apparel then nobody wants to wear it no matter how cool your design is so absolutely what got you into music in the first place well i don't really know Honestly, um, growing up, my, my grandfather had a jukebox, uh, in his house and, you know, of course it was free. He had it rigged up to where we could just play whatever we wanted to. And it started off with, you know, old school country Hank Williams and, um, you know, the whole list of, of those guys. Um, and, and then it just kind of evolved from there, you know, as trends kind of came and went, you'd kind of jump over to this type of music and then listen to that for a while. But, you know, it, it was always kind of country for us. I mean, we are mm-hmm. from Texas and that's kind of where our roots are, I suppose. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, I got a hold of Tom Petty and that pretty much changed mm-hmm. all of my rock outlooks and things. And, um. You know, but I, I feel like I'm pretty musically diverse. Uh, there's not really too much of anything that I don't like, um, except for I'd say I'm not a huge rap person, but you know, I can, I can listen to some of it depending on to, to who it is. Own. Sure, yeah. sure, so, absolutely. And we're uh, sitting in your office, and there's a couple of your, your uh, Epiphone guitars. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You don't you play? Uh, I. Dabble enough to sound horrible. Uh, I just I just appreciate uh, the look of a good guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's just for me whenever I'm somewhere, and and even the bands that I do music for, um, you know, I can have seen them a hundred times, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll go see them the next time, and it just brings a feeling of peace to me whenever there's just you know. Of course, they do different renditions of songs, and things change over the years. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's just there's just a familiarity. There's a for me, music is kind of a calming thing, you know. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't matter whether it's you know just like we were listening to back there, whether it's Stranglehold, which isn't necessarily calming music, but it's just the riffs and the grunginess of of some of that stuff that comes through. But then you have acoustics and fiddles and things that are just they have a nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just soothing. Cool. Excellent. Um, so, going back to the business a little bit, uh, what are your goals and, you know, what's the mission of the business? Um, for the business in general, it's just 
to provide great customer service and to provide something unique. You know, most people can create a general boxy design, but what we try to do that sets us apart is quite literally thinking outside of that box and whether it's a print on the side of the shirt or back shoulder or you know adding different elements different textures to it whether it's a foil print a glitter print a water-based print a just you know there's there's so many different things that you can do nowadays with prints just to make them unique mm-hmm. so that it sets you apart musically the goal is to help that artist do what they want to do um obviously it can be a challenge to to book gigs to pay for Mm -hmm. hotels and you know things like that as you're getting started um and one way to offset that cost is by selling merch and obviously the better your merch is the better your sales are and the faster you kind of grow and help you know pick those things up um and and some things are, are kind of a a cult following, I guess, if you will. And it's just like, Hey, we know this is this style of music and the shirts are always going to be this way and we don't want it to change. But sometimes, you know, trends change and you go from this style of shirt to that style. But I think as long as, you know, you're doing what you need to do with your band, uh, then, you know, that, that helps set you up for who you are and, and to grow musically too. Great. Kind of sticking with that subject, as a business owner, what have you learned that might be helpful to musicians, bearing in mind, you know, their music is a business. Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of things have you learned that might help? So this is, this is where the challenge lies, because um, the one thing that I've learned is don't go cheap. Um, which again as a startup can be difficult because if you don't have money to buy merch or to buy good equipment or music, uh, instruments or whatever then you don't, you just have to work with what you have and that's fine you can do that you build up to to what that next level is but for me uh, I have a, a band that I started doing stuff for almost six years ago now when I first started uh, they were doing um, five and ten dollar t-shirts on just the cheapest garbage mm-hmm. not intentionally like hey we're gonna put garbage out but you know just hey we're we're new we're trying to develop this stuff and so we're just going to use a cheap shirt and whatever so after talking with them you know they come in we we feel some different shirts and and go through some things and i their merch sales have increased now uh, we've had a conversation of you know if you would have told me we're selling shirts for twenty dollars five years ago I would have told you you're out of your damn mind there's no way that anybody's gonna buy one of our shirts for our band for 20 bucks and now they're selling them for 20 and 40 bucks because we're putting in on better quality garments and like I said the whole point of that is that you want people to wear your stuff so that when they're out somebody sees something and are like oh hey I've never heard of you know XYZ band and or, or whatever that is um and just by seeing those things out there, you know, I mean, especially with social media these days, hey, I'm going to Google Kulai Crew and see what this is all about. Oh, they're America's favorite cover band, you know, so um, it, it just draws attention to that. Continuing on that topic, um, what have you learned from bands you've worked with about merch sales? Sometimes you have to go a little outside of your comfort zone. Um, there are certain restrictions where you can, I think, 
say, hey, this is us, this is our identity, we're not going to get this type of merch or whatever because that's not us. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, if you can sell something to those people that are wanting it, you have to give a little... There's, There's never a solid black and white. There are areas of gray where you say, hey, we don't really do tank tops, but there's a ton of girls that follow us and girls want tank tops. So we may have to sell some tank tops. Um, There may be, you know, obviously if you're a a heavy metal band, you're not going to do, you know, like an Aztec print on one of your shirts. But That depends on the genre. Well, (laughs) yeah. I can think of a few. But, you know, there are times where people go, that's not really, you know, that doesn't really fit with us. I don't want to do that. But it's the most popular thing right now. And again, you know, you don't always want to do what's trendy. You want to do, you know, stay true to yourself and everything. Mm -hmm. But... You know, I think there are times where you got to slide into that gray area um, and do that. And I think sometimes as an artist, you do have to bend just a little bit and and just take a leap. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean you have to order 500 of them or 100. Hey, order 25. See how it goes. And if it, if it doesn't sell worth the crap, then, yeah, you, try you know, we, this is not part of your fan base and, and that's how it is. And, and I think that's important to be able to identify with your fan base and go, hey, these are the people that we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. This is who we're trying to connect with. And this is the type of stuff that they want. So moving on to more technical information, obviously the quality is very important for you and, you know, the print and everything. But what, what do bands have to think about or keep in mind when they're ordering shirts and designing shirts? I'm kind of a firm believer in less is more sometimes. Um, so you don't have to have like an over-the-top design that's got all, you know, 50 different colors on it and stuff like that. Although sometimes those can be very cool. Um, but, you know, I was at a, a class years ago and this lady that was teaching it said, what is a weed to one is a wildflower to another. And... You know, my my mom is my business partner. Her style is how much glitter and bling and whatever can we mm. put on the shirt? And for some people, that's great and it sells. Um, but for me, I'm I'm a little more simple than that. I like my one color designs. Um, so I think one of the things that you have to consider is again, who's your who's your target market? Um, and then secondly, not all shirts fit the same. So, you know, if you're a band that your average following is, I don't know, 13 to 21, then you can go with a more, you know, feminine cut shirt. If you're in a group that, hey, my target is moms and and dads and, you know, a middle-aged group around, you know, between 30 and 50, well, Mm -hmm. then you don't want to go with something that's skin tight because, you know, when you start seeing... uh, Rolls of things, then mm-hmm. some people don't <laughs> feel comfortable with that, and they're like, "Hey, uh, this shirt's not for me." Right. Um, any anything you want to touch on about the artwork itself, or printing on t-shirts is different than printing on a CD or on uh, mm-hmm. you know posters or anything like that. Um, so there are, within reason, there are some restrictions to to some of the artwork. You know, we've we've gotten some things that <laughs> have really been kind of over the top with lightning bolts and things coming out of guitars and hands and you know uh, different things that you're just like um, 
that's an awesome picture, but I just don't know how it's going to translate to a t-shirt. So, uh, and that's not to say that it can't be done in a different type of printing medium, uh, medium mm -hmm. but uh, just keep in mind sometimes it's, it's not always quite as simple as, here's my image, let's put this on a t-shirt. Right. Okay. Yes, moving on to uh, more broad subjects. What major challenges have you had to overcome in business or life in general, um, and if any, and if what did you learn from those experiences? Um, I think one thing, you know, I mean, again, like I said earlier, our one of our main goals is great customer service. Um, so with that comes a little OCD of making sure, hey. This print needs to be perfect, it needs to be straight, it needs to be centered, it needs to be all that stuff, which we still do, but I've had to learn you can't spend five hours making 10 t-shirts to make sure they're all perfect because then I'm not going to be in business anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but there are certain things that because it's my job to notice those things, I will notice them and nobody else will notice them. I mean, your average person is not going to go, oh, look, that's one point out of place. Uh, you know, so um, there have been certain things that I've had to let go of and just know that, hey, this print still looks really, really good. Um, is it perfect? No, but it's 98% there and I'm, you know, 98% is pretty good. Um, and then the other thing to, to know is that you're not going to please everybody. It doesn't matter how hard you want to. I'm a people pleaser. It drives me crazy when I can't take care of everybody and do everything in one day or, you know, half a day or whatever like they want. Um, but I'm still just a person. I'm doing the best I can do. And um, it's it's my job to, to make sure that, you know, that we're putting out that quality, that we're putting out pretty much everything that we can do. Um, and then lastly, you know, challenges, um, my dad was killed in a car wreck two years ago. Sorry to hear that. Um, so it was kind of, you know, my parents have always been together. I mean, it would have been 42 wow. years this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so never, you know, I feel lucky to always have been in a household where I have a mom and dad and I have siblings and, um, you know, we just, we had a great family dynamic. Um, and I know after that's gone, you, you realize that not everybody has that and there are different types of struggles. Um, but what I've been able to take away from that is everything that my dad taught me, you know, um, work ethic and just as as cliche and cheesy as it sounds the old golden rule of you know treat everybody as you'd want to be treated um do the best you can do and yeah. and then you have nothing to to regret at the end right. of it and yeah. i'm definitely all about that and and that to me that's what i do every day you know we come in we yes we have our struggles yes we're not perfect we miss orders we we mess up on things from time to time but we also do a lot of stuff right mm -hmm. um and you know Part of the thing, whenever we started the screen printing portion of this business, um, was we we have team members. We don't have employees because I feel like team members communicate better with each other. They work better with each other. Um, you know, employees are just here to collect money, right. 
and and I don't want that. I want people that I can talk to, have a conversation with. I want to know about their kids. I want to know, you know, if something happens to their one of their family members, you know, how it, how would I handle that, you know? And that's exactly how I tried to to let things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, is just hey, let's let's just treat this like a family business, which it is. Right. And and you know, we know that with families, they're not perfect, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to, you know, compromise a little bit. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. That's great. Um, anything else you'd like to touch upon in, uh, for anything? Not, not anything that we haven't already touched on, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I, again, I think the quality, again, going back to the merch and, and trying to promote yourself, I think... Um, just the importance of doing good quality stuff that people mm-hmm. are going to buy. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, th- I think that's really kind of the key is, is again, I, I think, uh, you know, we did a festival a couple of months ago. They set a new sales record um, wow. for merch sales Excellent. because we had great designs. We had it on great apparel. Mm-hmm. You know, there was 14, 15 other bands there, and I know for a fact we outsold every single one of them. And we had multiple people come up and say, hey, the most difficult thing we had to do today was decide which one of these shirts to pick. And that's always a great thing to hear as a band and as a merch person Mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, how when you look out and you have 15 people in line waiting to buy a shirt for your band and you look at the other booths and there's two people there, then, you know, there's there's something that we're doing right and I think it's because again we look at the quality we're trying to do good quality stuff and and it's not always just about t-shirts too you know I mean there's koozies there's you know like the the guitars that you see up here uh, they sell those guitars um, you know things people people want to be connected mm-hmm. and like I said in the beginning love Tom Petty the last Petty concert I went to Music was great. It was fine, but I paid 150 bucks a ticket yep. to go sit half a mile away and see an ant play. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I won't back down. Right. Um, which again sounded fantastic, but I could hardly see him. Uh, where when a lot of these other bands that I go to now, I mean, I go talk to them afterwards. You know, we we have a beer together. We we'll take a shot together. We'll do you know whatever it is. And if I want to get something autographed, hey, I mean, I've got a fiddle over there that's autographed by that whole band. To me, that's super cool. So I think the more, like, as a musician that you can connect with people and right. keep it on a personal level, then one, your music has more meaning to them. And two, they're more likely to promote you to other people. You know I mean? Right. Whether it's coming in and, and just like you and I have had conversations about bands, you know, hey, this is a great band. I... I love these guys, you know, I mean, now I'm more likely to go look them up and go, I really like the way that sounded, Simon loves them, so let's give them a whirl, you know, so you never know, and that's, and it just takes one person to to kind of start growing that stuff, so. And just a note for listeners, uh, the two guitars in question actually have a a picture on them each, and it's the Braun Brothers, Braun, Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll put some pictures up of that, Um, you want to just... Tell a quick story of where they came from. Sure. So the the Braun brothers, uh, gosh, I want to say 
the reunion started around 39 years ago up in Idaho. Um, and their dad is Muzzy Braun. And he, uh, they have four boys. Uh, two of them broke off separately to create their own bands uh, as they grew up. Uh, they played uh, together growing up with their dad, little you know county fair gigs, and uh, they played Carson a time or two. Um, and then you know as they as they grew up, they they're all super musically talented. Um, lead singer of of Reckless, um, you know, plays drums, harmonica, electric, acoustic. Um, you know, I mean, he just it's pretty amazing uh, all the different things that really all of them play um, and so they they just started their bands and, and they've been doing really well I know Reckless just celebrated uh, I want to say 20 years uh, their first CD release uh, Mickey and the Motor Cars which we do all of their merch they're, they're around 16 or 17 years uh, into it now uh, you know, the, and the cool thing about them is they, yeah, they travel all over the country, but they've played in Europe a couple times, over in Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, in Germany, um, and uh, it's they're they're just a fun group of guys. Um, they write all of their own music. They write all their own lyrics. Uh, they're producing their own records. It's it's really quite impressive what they've done over the years. And uh, so every year yes. they put on a festival uh, for three days in Idaho. Uh, which is now in Chalice, Idaho, um, and uh, there's about 3,500 people that invade a tiny town for three days, mm-hmm. and uh, you hear about 15 musical acts uh, every year, and it could be some up-and-comers, or it could be somebody that's just, you know, blowing the scene away right now, um, mm-hmm. which this year there was a little of both of those. Excellent. So uh, it's, it's pretty fun. It's it a great time. Um, yeah, so let's uh, wrap it up there and uh, tell everyone, uh, you know, where, where they can find you and reach out on sure. So uh, yeah, um, our website is skinnyarmadillo.com. Uh, Instagram, uh, you know, you just search up Skinny Armadillo and find us there. We try to post, you know, as we're printing and taking pictures of things, you know, whether it's embroidery, we'll do some slow mo shots or whatever, which is kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much us on the web and on Instagram is where to find us and uh, yeah, okay. we love what we do so it's fun. Oh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. It was a really great interview. Um, with that, we'll wrap up. Okay, awesome. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to check out some pictures of Justin's guitars and cool memorabilia, along with some amusing Wayne's World-related photos and related links on the show notes page of the website, musiconyourownterms.com, and of course at facebook.com forward slash musiconyourownterms. This episode, we have new music from Music On Your Own Terms alum Sadie Vader, former vocalist of Cruel Miracle. She has new solo music out, which to me is more rootsy sounding, and I think you'll agree kicks ass. This track is entitled Jersey Carolina. Check out the rest of her new material on Spotify, and I'll be catching up with Sadie in the near future to chat about the new music. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep sharpening the saw, play loud, and as always, be excellent to each other.
Tell you right now they won't give me a love Cause I don't 